it's um it's spooky season yes uh, halloween horrors week month on the rebel radio podcast um this is our sixth year doing halloween horrors and um which was an idea that um kind of just came about we i'll give you some credit for that you were like well let's you were like, Mark, you don't really like horror movies that much, so let's do them the month of October. And I yeah, like, just you know, yeah, get it all out of the way in one yeah. month. Yeah, and, and I was like, yeah, we can do that. And uh, and then I and um, since then I, I I will admit I haven't suffered as bad as I did when we did that comedy month. That was true. <laughs> um, but but I've had to go through some um, things that I could have done without, like watching Hellraiser again. Um, or watching Halloween again. I'm sorry. I know people love Halloween, but God, I find that movie just so fucking boring. That's how Pinhead would uh, would torture you. You know, if Pinhead appeared, like you accidentally rubbed the the puzzle box, he'd be like, (laughs) we have such sights to show you. And you'd have to watch like Three Amigos or... or, or yeah, Michael Myers creepy breathing over and over again. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. But... uh, or watch the dude in Men in Tights fall in the water and go, oh, I'm stuck in water. God, oh, I'm drowning. And it's like two inches of water. So stupid. <laughs> you would watch this scene over and over, Mark. That was horrible. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll ever forgive Long for making me watch that movie. Oh, man. I mean, I'll forgive him because he's my, he's my brother. But, you know. That's right. But just like, oh, God. Do we will. I can safely say we will never ever fucking do a hot comedy month again on the rubber. <laughs> That's for damn sure. Uh-huh. It, it'd have to be an action comedy. That's we the only would, way we'd be we, able to do it. <laughs> we, we would cover a movie like Titanic or showgirls before we would do a comedy month. Again, Cause showgirls is basically a comedy with titties. We would do a yeah. musical month before we yes. did another comedy month. Most yeah, likely. I, I like musicals. You'd put the, the greatest showman on there. Maybe. You know, uh, but, but yeah, you know. I mean, and I know for 300 episodes, there's a running gag that I don't like comedies and that's not true. I, I just like certain ones. Like give me Beavis and Butthead all day long or yeah. Hey, man, like we, I, we would do the hangover on the show. That, that, oh that yeah. Yeah. Makes me laugh. Step brothers. It, it's yeah. not a purse. It's a satchel. Indiana Jones wears one. I mean, it's a satchel. It's, it's like, <laughs> those kind of movies. I like stupid humor. Um, not, stupid falling in the water that's two inches humor yeah i know it sounds like a contradiction but not like stupid stupid humor but like you know the the fart you know dick and fart humor you know get hit in the groin you know like my brother-in-law he asked me what i thought about space balls i'm like it's all right he goes oh you just don't understand comedy i'm like space balls is all right i get it as a star wars spoof i don't think it's that funny it's got a couple moments in it but it doesn't hold up well try watching space balls now it's not that funny yeah it was unfortunately 1985 but now you watch it like this is really stupid there's a couple of parts that are you know kind of chuckly but it's dumb yeah you know? and, and and uh you know mel brooks is an acquired taste i guess he is he's got some that are better I mean, than I've others i've never seen blazing saddles and i've never seen des- blazing saddles don't have any desire to watch it because i don't like mel brooks movies that much it's like, it's like yeah now, like Airplane, I know that I know our co-host Long. He's a fan of that movie. I like Airplane. Yeah. I think that's a pretty funny movie, you know. It, but uh, but again, it's very eighties. You watch it now, and it's like it's hard to hold up and really want to talk about it on the show. You can watch it as more of a nostalgic type movie, you know. Yeah. But 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 we are not doing comedies this month. We're doing um horror movies. Well, I mean, actually, the movie we did today. They kind of sold to the studio as a satire comedy to try to get the studio to, or not the studio to the ratings board to bring it down to an R rating. Yeah. Um, which, which it's, I don't find it to be really a comedy, but we'll talk about that more in a minute. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it is Halloween horrors month and um, it's spooky season. Uh, Halloween is, is upon us in a few weeks and the, the ghouls and goblins will be out and, and we'll spend the month talking to uh, some ghouls and goblins on the show with a, with a four, four pretty, um, Pretty solid flicks, you know. Um, well, I mean, I one it will be a first time watch for me, as you know. I've never seen the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I've tried to watch it a couple of times, and I've never. I've seen parts of it, like bits and pieces of it, mm-hmm. and I've uh, tried to start at the beginning, and then something comes up, and I don't watch it. But I've never actually watched it from beginning to end. You know, like I've seen the. It's weird. I know I've seen the ending. 
I, yeah. I don't know. And I've seen like little bits and pieces, but I've never actually sat and watched it from beginning to end. And, uh, so that'll be interesting in a couple weeks when we get to that one. Um, but anyway, how's, how's your week, man? Been good? Randy, man. It's been, no, you know, definitely no a week to kick off Halloween horrors. No fucking rain yeah. for four months in Texas. And all of a sudden we get inches in yeah. three or four days. It's like, what the hell, man? Yeah, man. It's been dark and dreary and rainy and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Dep- depressing Halloweenish weather. I guess. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, Which we needed, but, you know, I'm like, man, this really sets the tone. Now. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm done. All right, that's enough rain. We got it. We got it all in three or four days. Okay, okay you can stop now. Yeah, you know, go back to being uh, hot. You know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I complain about the heat. Oh, I miss the heat. <laughs> <laughs> How it always is, especially but, when it uh, freezes over here. You're like, man, I wish I, I wish I was, you know, I know burning in my own skin. I like the cold. I don't know. I, I don't complain too much about the cold. Yeah, yeah. Now the rain, I don't really like, but I can, I, like, I can bring on some cold weather. I like it when you're fucking. Walk outside, your nuts just squinch up in your body because they're, they're trying to stay warm. <laughs> so they like, squinch up. Yeah, you're just like, oh yeah, I can feel that down in my nuts. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh and man, I can feel it in my loins. It's the opposite when it's hot because then they drip down and they're sweating. You're like, God, I'm chafed out there. And you're, like, <laughs> you're like, this sucks. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, use diaper rash cream for right, all those man. northerners that come or down here. Powdering up down there or whatever. You yeah. Know? So, <laughs> it's a, um, like a, it's a Victorian style wig. You got to throw some powder down yeah. there. Yeah. You know, you might have to manscape more in the summertime. So, you know, you know <laughs> the trials and tribulations of Texas weather. Yes. Taking care of your nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man, you know, why not? That's that's life, baby. That's just life. But uh, man, other than other, than, my week's been okay, man. But I have literally hardly sat in front of the TV this week. Um, I watched some football. That's that's about it, man. Um, but and I did watch the season finale of Ahsoka. But as far mm-hmm. as man, movies and flicks, man, I, I just I kept trying to sit down and watch stuff, and I just did not watch much this week. So uh, I don't. Did you watch anything? I I did. Um, I finished season two of 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 Babylon Five. Dude, man, that's a that's a season ending. Tensions are high, brink of Which, war. How does that end? You gotta refresh me. It's been a bit since I've. Seen. I mean, I love the show, but sometimes I the seasons bore to go. So Sheridan, you know, uh, allies with the Narn, and right. and Londo finds out he's freaking pissed, and you know he's on this. Uh, you know, at the end of the. Last episode, he's he's on a uh, on this train to negotiate, you know, terms of of their alliance, and someone puts a bomb on the on the train. You don't know who yet. Um, there's night. Uh, there's the night. Uh, crap, night crew or night night. Uh, you know that Ranger. secret night rangers or, or yeah that secret team that so i don't know if they did it or what they've they haven't alluded to that but he has to jump out of the train that's where cost shaves him okay yes, yes. yeah okay he saves him turns into like an angel and then they ask yeah. they're asking people what they thought they saw when that happened and londo's like nothing i saw nothing yeah uh, yeah okay i remember now yeah no it is a good season finale um i told you you get towards the end of season two Getting to season three, I I bet any money you blow through season three and most of four quicker than you blew through the first two because it's going to start getting where like you got to see what happens next. Okay, yeah, because uh, from what I've kind of gathered um, from like other you know people that that review and write about Babylon, it's like the first two seasons are kind of like exposition and some build up and some groundwork. It's a book. Yeah, it's basically a, a five chapter book uh, throughout the season. So yeah, makes sense. No. Um, but yeah, I, I like Sheridan. Sheridan, he's like, you know, fuck you, dude. You know, <laughs> he's like, I told you you like Sheridan. Yeah, man, and and he he fired upon a uh, um, the uh, crap. I forget Londo's uh, race. The not the Centauri. Centauri. Yeah, uh, he fired upon their ship and. Uh, that constituent that was on board as part of a night, I think he was part of Night Watch, 
Um, but he's like, he, he green lights, uh, like military operations and stuff. I think he works, uh, for the military in some, some form or fashion. And, uh, he's like, Oh, you fired upon them. And he's like, Hey, we, we wouldn't be talking here right now if I didn't take action. And he's like, you know, he's like, I know what I'm doing basically get out of my way. And I'm like, man, Sheridan, man, fucking just <laughs> flop, flopping that manhood out. Just, you know. <laughs> hey, you don't give a damn. Yeah, man. But uh but yeah, he's uh he's he's definitely a better cat I think a more favorite captain of mine than Sinclair. Sinclair was very, you know, old school and Sheridan's a little bit he's got a little bit more of an edge to him. I like it. Hey, you'll like him even more as you go and go, especially in the season three, whenever um, certain events happen that really make you realize like, okay, this guy Ain't playing around. Yeah. Um, other than that, I watched probably the one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Uh, it came out this year because uh, the rights to the franchise had slipped, I guess, and made it like open source. And that's Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, because it's on <laughs> Peacock. And it's, uh, it's, it's as you would think. Um, it's ridiculous. <laughs> watch that? I watched it. I'm like, I got to see it. I gotta see it. There's they're making a, a sequel to it. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, it's it's obviously like it says. Pooh and Piglet go on a murdering rampage. Christopher Robin leaves, and they become like feral, and they eat Eeyore, and to survive. And he's like, Pooh finds Christopher Robin because he comes there later um, with his with his wife to show him where he used to visit as a child. And he just like, you know, they run into them. They part of the story is that they renounce their humanism, you know, cause they're like humanoid, whatever. And, uh, they, they vow never to speak again. Oh, and it's, there's this weird animation, uh, part to it. And they like tie them up and they're like whipping them with Eeyore's tail, uh, as punishment. And these girls go rent this house that's near there in the, in the hundred acre wood and they just kill them for no reason. Um, so it's, you know, it's like that. It's uh, like, there's no plot to it. And the dialogue is, is horrible. Like they just keep repeating themselves and like, like there's a part where Christopher Robin's like, I I'm, I'm sorry. I never should have left. What do you want? And then, he says something else and then he just repeats what he just said like five minutes ago. And that's like what every character does in every scene. It's like, Oh my God, we need to call nine one one. And then they're like, Whoa, well, what, what do these people want? Oh my God, we've got to call nine one one. And I'm like, I guess you have to be loaded on drugs or something. To- yeah. I, I almost fell asleep watching the damn thing. Almost. Um, but it's on uh, Peacock. If you're interested it's an hour and like 24 minutes an hour, basically like an hour and a half. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's an hour and a half. You'll never get back. Yeah. So I, I think, I think you'd probably, I'd if there was go a, back and, I mentioned showgirls earlier. I'd rather watch showgirls. At least yeah. I'd be entertained by that. Yeah. <laughs> or if you, if you want to watch a different bad horror movie, maybe Reinfeld, Reinfeld's at least, uh, entertaining with uh cage being cage. But uh, other than that, yeah, like you, I watched Ahsoka. I, I did. I did watch something. I forgot. I watched oh. the first episode of Gen V. And, um, oh, I saw man, that. I don't know. It's it's like it's a spinoff from the boys, but it's like. It's, yeah, it's a university, okay. right? Like it, yeah, they're training. It's, it's okay, but it's like it tries harder to be more brutal than the boys even. Okay. And I'm just like, I don't Doesn't know. Work. I guess, yeah, I'm just like. It's trying. It's almost like the boys is brutal, but it doesn't come across like forced. Where mm. I felt like Jim V was like, okay, can we be grosser than the boys? Um, I wonder if it's even the same showrunners or some producers. I didn't even look. I just know it's a spinoff done by Amazon Prime. Um, it's okay. Uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'll probably watch it just to um, keep up with the universe. You know, yeah. Because uh, rumor is. Rumor is that the boys, they hope that the strikes are over and they're hoping that I've read that I've, they're hoping February for it to be come out. So um, I guess it's something to pass the time in that universe until we get to season four of the boys. But um, so I did watch that and um, 
it's okay. You know, like I said, I'm not going to say too much about it. Kind of judge for yourself, but I just thought it was all right. Um, if you want to see a giant CGI penis, then you might enjoy it. There you go. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so Ahsoka, there's a, let's let's dig into this because there's a lot to dig in. The series finale was or season finale. They aren't really saying. There's some rumors it's going to be a season two. We really don't know what's next in the Mando universe as far as Star Wars goes. Uh, with all the strikes and there's no word of Mando season four, we don't know what's next. So we're just going to discuss this as the season finale of Ahsoka. And uh, be warned, we're going to go into spoiler territory here as usual. So, uh, you know, but episode's been out almost a week by the time you uh, hear this episode. So you've had a chance. I think that's many, many hours of time to have sat down and watch a 45-minute episode. My initial thoughts on this episode were um, a bit predictable. Like, I'm not shocked at all that they flipped roles and Ezra made it back and Ahsoka and them didn't. I think yeah. we saw that. I think we saw that coming. Um, great action. But I thought, when I talk about great action, I thought the episode failed on the choreography compared to the other episodes. Like, it just looked like Rosario, they t- Rosario, you stand there and wave your lightsabers. We're going to put in some special effects. Yeah, she was doing kind of like the same yeah, technique be- over like, and over again. What happened to all the really great fight choreography we had from the previous episodes? It yeah. disappeared in this episode a little bit. And then rewatching Anakin's uh, tapes. Um, right. And so I, I thought we were going to get more of, you know, that style of fighting, you know, just right. his kind of broadsword-like, yeah. you know fighting and, uh, technique zombie stormtroopers were interesting in star wars i did like that that was, was cool. fucking badass was something i never thought i'd see in star wars um, yeah uh lars mickelson is growing on me more and more as a live action thrawn i know he did the voice um but i think he's got that calm cool evilness about him uh I really will talk more about Balin's story in a minute, but I really like what they're doing with that. If you know the lore of star Wars. Yeah. Um, so overall the, the father, the son, the daughter. Yeah. Overall, I thought it was a good finale. I don't think it was the best episode in the series. I thought it was pretty good. You know, um, I, I felt like a little underwhelmed, but not by much. Um, but you know, it, cause there's so much left unanswered. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Ron makes, a lot of questions. Ron makes it out of that galaxy. He makes it back to the galaxy prime, the galaxy that we know of. Ahsoka and Sabine are left behind. Of course, Ezra makes it on the ship and he makes it back to Hera, which was a nice reunion at the end. Um, and Balin and Shin are also left on the planet behind with Ahsoka. And, um, so there's a lot of unanswered questions. So I think that's why it's hard to judge this finale overall. Um, as a series, I love Ahsoka a lot, or Rebel Season 5, whatever you want to call it. I like it. It might be my favorite ser- live-action Disney Plus series they've done so far. Um, but I think the biggest thing that came out of this, honestly, is uh, is what Balin's searching for. It's such a shame we lost Ray Stevenson because, you know, they're going to have to recast the role. Um, you know, we see the statues of the Mortis son, daughter, and, and, and father at the end. So it looks like he might be searching for the... Um, uh, for the force or the origins of the force. Um, yeah. You know, so that's one possible thing. Oh, I love, I love Ezra building a lightsaber because here it is in star Wars. You think building yes. a lightsaber, you love building a lightsaber is going to be like this dramatic, you know, special event. And Ezra's just over there building it. Like it's an everyday thing because we know he builds stuff from the show. And that's what I thought was so great. We finally got to see him build something like he did in the show all the time. And then he builds one with a blue lightsaber and it was really cool. Um, and, and then the I'm same hilt as Canons. Yeah, same hilt as Canons. Yeah, I'm looking forward to. Um, I hope he collected the helmet from the Stormtrooper that he disguised himself as. Yes, because that was the thing from the series. So little things like that I liked a lot. Um, I really like the guy who's playing Ezra. I think he's a very good live action version. Um, took a little bit to grow on me the first time we saw him a couple episodes ago, and I think it's the thing too. I wanted more Ezra. We only got him in a couple episodes, and so yeah, to see more. Um, so that's my initial thoughts overall of the series. Yeah, I I like it. Um, I I have your same sentiments too. I think uh, the choreography lacked a little bit versus you know some of the other episodes we got. Um, the zombie stuff was was cool as hell. It was um, different, but it was cool. Yeah, uh, just seeing them rise and then they're just taking hits. 
and, and still should, coming forward. <laughs> and we should be clear. They're not zombies. They're, they're reanimated through the powers of the night sisters. Yeah. Um, so there's some magic involved in it. Um, Similar to that, uh, inquisitor that yeah. Ahsoka took care of earlier on. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we see that in the statue, um, the daughter's missing, um, or broken, but yeah. broken. Um, and that's likely because, uh, she gave her life, uh, to save Ahsoka, um, in the clone war series. So, you know, we, that's the speculation. Um, some people are trying to say Anakin's the father of the force now, since he was supposed to take, uh, Morris's place. Um, you know, he saved both Ahsoka and, and, uh, Obi-Wan and only he could do the, only the father of the force could do that. Um, as, as Mortis said, but, uh, we'll see where that goes. Like you said, Ray Stevenson, just looking at that, um, with the, with the sun coming up over the mountains. Um, some people, I sh- sent you a picture. Uh, he's in the movie we're talking about today, Liv Shriver. Of course, he just has a little cameo, um, today, but, uh, he kind of looks like Ray Stevenson a little bit. He's, I think he's younger, but I think he could, he could definitely pull off that look. Some people are saying Russell Crowe, they like to see Russell Crowe. Um, but, but we'll see what happens. Uh, sometimes, yeah, Russell you know, Crow. Russell Crowe's lost his way. He used to be such a good actor, but lately like nah. too many donuts, know. man. I think he's yeah. been hitting the donuts and the beer I, too much. I've also read Sam Neill. I know he's 20 years older than Ray Stevenson, but Sam Neill could look the part. Sam Neill could look the part. You mentioned that. And, uh, he does, he does kind of still, he, he can still act, you know? Yeah. So oh, I, yeah. I think Sam Neill could pull it off. He's got good I chops. Just, uh, I hope, you know, I hope Ray Stevenson knows watching from above and realizing the praise he got for his role as Balin cause he is so good in it. And, um, and, and even the girl who plays Shin, I don't know the actress's name, but I think she's really great too, you know, as, as his apprentice and, uh, and we'll, we'll get to see more of her. She's still on the planet alive as well. Yeah. Um, but Ray Stevenson, uh, was just, so good as Balin, and um, we'll see what happens next with with his character. Um, wherever they go with this, you know, it almost feels like Mando season four. How do you not have Mando meet Hera and Ezra and start joining the New Republic in season four? Because where else do you go with Mando's story other than have him join for the New Republic and the New Mandalore? You know, yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, one route you go. Um, and, you know, they ask Mando for help to with the threat of Thrawn coming. I mean, you have to lean into that. Yeah. And then you have Mando, Rebels, Ahsoka, Grogu yeah. versus Thrawn. Yeah. It's, it's all got to come together. And then, uh, and obviously Ahsoka and Sabine, I mean, we know they're not going. They'll somehow make their way back to the galaxy. Yeah. It's interesting that Thrawn was going to Dathomir at the end there. Um, is he just returning the night sister mother's home or, you know, what's he doing there? You know, cause Dathomir is, is known as being a virtue as the dark side of the force. Yeah. You know, and what, what is he doing there? Got to reanimate some new inquisitors. <laughs> yeah. What's his cargo? What was his cargo? You know, uh, re reestablishing the night sister home world. The only problem is I just start thinking people make good points. If you do too much, if you, you've already created a second galaxy, you, you, if you recreate the death of your home world and granted, this is all about 25 years before the force awakens, but like, like you rebuild this empire in this evil universe. What happened to it 25 years later, you know, with the, with the first order, you know? And, and so, to your point, some people are saying that there was a rumor that Disney was going to retcon the sequel trilogy, but I don't, I don't see that happening. No, I don't think they will either. That's just fans talking because they don't like the sequels. There's, yeah. there's no reason for that. I think at the end of this all, Filoni and Favreau know what they're doing. In fact, I, I made I, I texted a friend of mine. I said, Filoni is smart enough that he can make this work where he makes the sequels better by the time he's done with things he creates in his shows. Because he did the same thing with Clone Wars. Look at the last six episodes of Clone Wars where he made episode three even better. Yeah. By intertwining that story in the Siege of Mandalore at the end of Clone Wars. You know, in those final episodes. And yeah, fill in the that, gaps. Yeah, Filoni's a type that can do that. That by the time he's said and done, it's all filled up nicely and it all makes sense and if and it, and it all comes together. Um, I mean, if you believe the rumors are true, people are asking like, well, where's Luke and Han and Leia and Lando during this time? And if the rumors are, if there isn't, there's been a rumor for a long time that there's an animated series coming 
with the original trilogy characters. And it's going to tell the story of where Luke and Leia and them all are while the Mando stuff is going on. Um, that's been around be for a while now. So we'll see what happens. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I love Star Wars being on television. And now we have to wait and see what's next. I mean, but we all know the Skeleton Crew TV show is what's coming next. It's just been delayed due to the strikes and everything. Uh, yeah. Um, apparently it was due out by the end of this year, but now it might not be out till early next year. And then uh, hopefully they make some announcements soon as far as Mandalorian Season 4 or Soka Season 2 or whatever is going to happen next. And, yeah, know, whatever the next step is. We know Andor Season 2 is coming, but that's not related to these shows. Um, you know, and it was also delayed due to these strikes. And, uh, but, uh, you know, Ahsoka was just, was just so good and so satisfying as a Star Wars fan overall, you know, despite a finale that I don't want to say the finale was weak. It just felt like, um, maybe it just, I guess we just wanted more. I don't even say it's underwhelming. I think it's just such a huge cliffhanger. I mean, it's an Empire Strikes Back type cliffhanger. Yeah, it is. Yeah. A lot of unanswered questions. You've got stranded people. Um, you've got an enemy that's still at large, and now he's on the loose. Mm-hmm. And the threat of uh, of the empire. Of impending war. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think you know, I'm probably going to sit down and rewatch them all. You know, I, well, I already rewatched the first two. I'll probably sit down and rewatch them again. And I really enjoyed the series and uh, give it give it another look. See, and uh, it's fucking Star Wars. Yeah, it. dude. Why not? Um. Which brings us to a little bit of news today. News is still kind of slow. Um, the apparent um, Knights of the Old Republic remake looks like it's pretty much dead in the water. Uh, oh, it's damn. been taken off most websites. Um, it's been taken off of, of a lot of things. There's been no new news on it. It's been in the makes for a few years. Uh, so it looks like either it's dead or it's just on hold because it was costing too much. But uh, people are looking forward to that for their new systems. Um might be another, might be go the way of Star Wars 1313, the, the big smuggler Star Wars game that never happened and had footage that was out there. Um, you know, and then Ubisoft is apparently working an open world Star Wars game. There's been no news of that lately. And um, so it just makes you wonder what's been going on with Star Wars video games. Um, wow. So we'll see. But it looks like KOTOR Remake might be dead. Um, B- Jason Blumhouse. Of course, Blumhouse Pictures uh, gave some news this week saying that uh, the Spawn remake is not dead, that it's still very active in development with Jamie Foxx still in the lead role. Um, And he basically said, hey, some of that was letting Jamie get back to good health after his health scare earlier this year. Yeah. And uh, they hope to start shooting early next year, pending all the strikes ending. Um, So the Spawn remake is still, and Tom McFarlane is still very much involved in making sure that it's a, 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 a better Spawn movie than the original. And the cool thing about McFarlane is Todd never shits on his original Spawn movie. He says, hey, it is what it is. It's the budget we had at the time. We made the best Spawn movie we had. And yep. we're, we're just going to make a better one. And he says, I, I still love Michael J. White. I love what we did. We're just going to make a better one. I think that's cool, man. I, I really hate it when uh, Ryan Reynolds shits on Greenlander. It's like, you made the movie. Just own it, man. You know, I'm just not a big fan. If a movie completely sucks... Or it's just terrible, you know, and, and you disown the film because the like studio Clooney. wasn't involved. Yeah. Or, yeah, or like uh, Ben Affleck has done with John Woo's paycheck because mm-hmm. the studio. I get that. But, you know, but if you made the movie and, and, and it was a modest hit, like Green Lantern was a modest hit, you know, don't shit on it, man. You know, and I love that about McFarley. He doesn't shit on Spawn. And so the remake is coming. Um, and I did that on purpose because I have a, my little leeway. Yes. John Woo is back, people. Oh, man. After yeah. 20 years, he's got back with a film called Silent Night. comes out December 1st, starring Joel Kinnaman in the lead role. And um, the trailer is out. And it, apparently the whole film is told with no dialogue. It's all action and, 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 uh, and music. And the trailer, I thought the trailer was freaking awesome. And if you're a John Woo fan like I am, you saw so much in that trailer, like his yes. style. The trench coats, the slow motions, the just the look of it, it feels like a John Woo film. And uh, I'm super excited to go see this. Um, I'm super pumped. Been waiting a long time for him to come back to America and make a film. And uh, I hope it's successful and makes Woo want to do more. And uh, I just thought it looked freaking awesome. I mean, it's been a while. I mean, we've had some cool action movies with the John Wick thing, movies and stuff. Don't get me wrong. But, man, but he's the master. And, you know, you can't help but be excited. He he's is, man. action film. Yeah, man, this is this is the father of those type of films, man. And uh, yeah, you don't have John Wick without John Woo making films. 
No, you don't. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how this film's, I mean, obviously this film's going to turn out badass, uh, but how badass, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, it's not a, if it's going to be badass, it's just how, how is it going to stack against his other films? You know, right. is, is it going to match up to hard boiled and stuff yeah, like yeah. that? Is it going to I mean, come out like a classic classics, but I'm sure it'll be good. And Joel Kinnaman's a badass actor. He um, is now, man. Box he can office do this. Wise, box office wise. It's probably not going to be a huge hit. It's coming out again. Same weekend as Godzilla minus one. And some yeah. other stuff, but you know what? It doesn't have to be. It it, it was probably didn't cost Wu a whole lot of money to make this movie. It's just about him coming back to Hollywood, and making an American film, and hopefully it leads to more John Wu films. I mean, he's not getting younger. He's almost. I think he's getting close to seventy years old. So yeah, you know. Um, but I'm just excited. My favorite director of all time has come back with an American film after twenty years. You know, I know he's done some Hong Kong stuff since then. I've seen some of them, like Red Red Cliff is really good. Um, but you know, it's nice that he's coming back to a, do an American film. Um, there's yeah. a new trailer for the Marvels out. I didn't watch it. I'll be honest. Oh, me neither. Some people don't know what's out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing cool about that movie is that it's got beastie boys as part of the soundtrack. Yeah. That's it. And, uh, so <laughs> we finally got some news on Kevin Costner's long, long, I'm talking 15 years in the making Western epic called Horizon, an American saga. A short little teaser came out from Warner Bros. today. And the movie is going, apparently going to be four movies. That's how long this is. Wow. The first two chapters are coming out next year, uh, June 28th and August, about two months apart. will be chapters one and two in summer of 2024. Um, so, you know, Costner has been working on this for a long time. It's been his passion project of his life. Um, it's, you know, Costner has been always done Westerns well, you know, open yep. range, dance, wide Earp. Um, so, you know, this is something that if you're a movie fan, you should be excited about, you know, um, it's part of the reasons why he's kind of wanted out of Yellowstone because he's been trying to finish this thing and get it done. Apparently all that's known about is it's a saga that takes place over about 15 years about a family uh, and um, across the American civil war. Um, yeah. So we'll see how it plays out. I'm excited for it. I mean, you tell me Kevin Costner's making an epic Western. I'm there, you know, and uh, so yeah, about a year, a little less than a year away from it. I'm gonna have to check out that teaser, man. Yeah, and, uh, I haven't I mean, seen it's very it yet. Short doesn't show much, but it but it's cool. Um, so Kevin Costner's a rise in American Saga coming out in theaters next summer. Um, that's all the news I had. So, uh, I don't think I missed anything. No, no, I, I don't think. Uh... Yeah, I don't think there's anything I'll be else. Honest, really. I forgot to write the news down. I did that right before we recorded. <laughs> so make sure I didn't miss nothing. So um, let's get into our first featured film then for the Halloween Horrors Month. And uh, this is uh, from 1996, a movie that um, gets a lot of credit for it, as it should, for making, um, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word making horror mainstream because horror, horror had its heyday in the 80s. Yeah. And it just kind of, took a back seat, so to speak, for a little while. You know, in the in the early 90s, you had a lot of um, action movies out, Point Break, Terminator 2, things like that. Yeah. And horror just kind of became a genre that you might have a few movies in October and, you know, the kind of really weird people would go watch them. And no one was watching horror for a few years. You yeah. had these, these Halloween and Friday the 13th sequels that were like part 10, part 20. No one could keep up with them anymore. Yeah. And, you know, Jason dies and then comes yeah. back to life. And then, and, you and know. that's really where horror yeah. was in the mid early nineties. And then, so, you know, this, this script was floating around Hollywood where movie title, it was actually titled scary movie at that point. Yeah. And, um, and no director really wanted to tackle it. Wes Craven actually read the script a couple of times and kept, he turned it down. And, and finally, he, you know, his his agent and the other people said, "Hey, you know, you really should do this movie." And and, and West didn't have anything else going, so he finally gave in and said, "Okay, I'll make it." So you have West Craven doing this really hot uh, script that's going around Hollywood, and uh, he he wants to, you know, it's cast full of young stars at the time, and one young star, Matthew Lillard, who's unknown at the point, he got the role on accident. Yeah, he was just he, there. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, um, hey, audition for this. And, you know, a lot of television actors and actresses, a lot of these young actors did not have big movie roles yet. They were known for TV work. And um, and, and one thing that sold Wes Craven on it was like, 
well, we do have Drew Barrymore attached to do the opening scene. And Wes was like, oh, I wouldn't mind working with her because he remember her as a child from Firestarter and some other things. And yeah. so that's kind of how it sold them on the movie. And uh, so that movie is Scream, the original from 1996, which uh, flipped the genre on its head and made horror all of a sudden cool again um, and fresh and new ideas, which led to not so fresh and new ideas because there were a lot of copycat movies. <laughs> yes. But, but it did bring horror back into the forefront. And it, and it also showed that horror could be a viable moneymaker at the box office because for many years it wasn't. Um, yeah, this movie went up uh, against Jerry Maguire and Mars Attacks. And with a budget of fourteen million, and it made a uh, hundred million domestically uh, through its run at the theater, and, and I think uh, over a hundred million, it was like one hundred and thirty million uh, worldwide. So it was very successful. Well, I clearly remember seeing this because of that reason. Word of mouth. I'm like, man, this is a horror movie. No one goes. I even thought in 1996. I'm out of high school. Already, but I'm like, no one goes and watches horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> and a, a couple of weeks into this, I'm like, man, I guess I'll go see it. And I was, what, what's it about? And, um, and I did go see it, and I remember back then, like, enjoying it. Um, I think it was a fun movie. I think I told you last week, I maybe seen it one other time since until this week. Yeah. And um, and I will, I'm not going to shit on the movie, but I will say that, like, I don't like it as much now as I did when I first saw it. I was younger. I view it differently now. Um, I see flaws in it now. I didn't see back then. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> Like, um, it's so blatantly obvious who the killers are when you go watch it now. Yeah. That you're like, wow, the, the plot is that obvious. And I guess yeah. in 1996, I didn't notice how obvious it was. Stu Mocker um, is like, well, I didn't do it. And yeah. then, you know, I didn't kill anybody. And then Loomis says, hey, cut it out. I know. You know, and, it's, and the, but it, if, it, when you're watching it at first, you think it's the dad, you know? Well, you, yeah. You, well, it's a rope dope. They try to send you towards the dad. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Um, you know, I, um, I lost my train of thought for a second there, but it's a highly, one thing that the, this movie works is it's really entertaining. It's yeah. well-paced. The meta um, stuff is, is great. Yeah. It's it. They sold it to the MPAA as a satire to get it down from NC 17 to an R. I don't really watch it as a satire because I, I get, I don't get me wrong. Yeah. Get, you have to I, think about the funny stuff. I get the it's, satire in it. That, yeah. that it's making fun of people that watch scary movies, but I don't, I still view it as a horror movie because there's freaking people dying in it. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's brutal murders in this film. It's subtle. Um, you don't get time to laugh. Cause it's like, you know, uh, 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 Sydney gets the call and you know, she's talking about, they're talking about scary movies and she goes, yeah, some, you know, they're all some busty blonde bimbo who runs upstairs instead of running out the front door, like, like she should. And what happens she yeah. tries to run out the front door but right. can't, and she runs up the stairs. So it's like, it's, there's that comedy aspect of it, but you don't have time because she's running from a killer. So right, right. there's nothing, you know, there's not like a banana peel out there that she slips on and, you know, Ghostface doesn't get a pie in the face. So there's no actual comedy aspect. You have to think about the comedy. Yeah. And then, oh, it just made me think that I didn't realize, like, I never knew this. I thought Ghostface was the costume was something they created for the movie. I didn't realize it was a real costume that existed that the costume prop and people found it in the shop and were like, and found out like, Hey, can we get the rights of this? Cause it was a cheap costume and the costume yeah. were like, yeah, go ahead. The most meta thing about this movie is how it's so much like Halloween. It's a mass killer terrorizing a bunch of high school girls. Um, you know, terrorizes a bunch of high school girls. Well, it's, I think it's a mix of, all three of the popular franchises from the 80s. There's some Friday the 13th in this. There's some Nightmare oh, on Elm big Street time. in this. Yeah. A lot of Nightmare on Elm Street, obviously. Um, but yeah, to for for Halloween, um, whenever Drew Barrymore answers the phone at the beginning, her favorite Halloween movie is Halloween. She's playing yeah. with a, a meat cleaver. When her parents come home, the dad tells the mom, hey, go down the road, go to the McKenzie's. In Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis tells the two kids, hey, go to the McKenzie's yeah. on 911. Um, you know, she's, uh, crawling, uh, Drew Barrymore's crawling on the ground, much like Jamie Lee Curtis is crawling on the ground in Halloween too. Uh, there's, you know, I, I, and to your point, Nightmare on Elm street, when Billy crawls through the window, um, to see, uh, Sydney, well, uh, even Bill, Billy to, even looks, Billy looks like Johnny Depp. Looks yeah. a lot like Johnny yeah. Depp. Yeah. Got, got the hairstyle. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and Johnny Depp is wearing a, a number 10 Jersey and, not on Elm Street and 
Uh, Rose McGowan's character wears a number 10 jersey. Same same cut to Midrift. You know, of course, it looks better on Rose than it does on John Depp, in She's my opinion. She's cute in this movie. What happened to her? Yeah, for <laughs> real, man. She, uh, she, she definitely, you know, aged, I would too much, say. And too much plastic surgery. For real, man. Yeah, too, too much plastic surgery. Um, and then obviously all the, you know, there's some Jason... Uh, references mm-hmm. and uh, and the Freddy reference with the uh, Wes Craven making a uh, appearance as Fred the janitor and he's got a oh, yeah, yeah. striped uh, long sleeve shirt and the fedora. Yeah. That's <laughs> so funny. that was pretty funny. Yeah, um, I like how meta this this movie is. You even get the rules of a horror movie: you can't drink, you can't do drugs, you can't sleep around, yeah, Jay- and Jay- don't Jay- say. I'll be back. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy in one of his few movie roles that doesn't annoy me. Yeah, he he makes sense in this movie. Yeah, he's fine in this movie. Most of the time when I see him in a movie, I'm like, oh my god, he's he's annoying. But he's he's fine in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and uh, uh, there's a uh, one part where Wes Craven was behind the mask, and it was whenever he's uh, going through the glass at Drew Barrymore and grabbing her, and she hits him in the face with the phone. She really hits Wes Craven in the face with the phone, wow. <laughs> and uh, and hit him and knocked him backwards. Uh, and actually, that phone was supposed to be disconnected. She accidentally dialed nine one one a couple times <laughs> uh, because it was it was connected and it was supposed to not be. That's funny. Uh, there was only one time, you know, which uh, you know we talked about on our Comic Palooza episode. We got to talk to Jack. I got to talk to Jack Quaid, and he had mentioned that he was only behind the mask one time, and it was when he was behind the couch. So it was a reference to the first screen movie. This one we're, we're talking about where Skeet Ulrich was only behind the mask once. And that's whenever he was behind the couch, Jamie Lee Curtis or Jamie Kennedy's watching Jamie Lee Curtis in right. Halloween on the screen. And that's, that's him in the mask behind the, the couch. So that's right. a meta thing um, for the legacy sequel. Um, but it's, uh, it's cool. Uh, the sheriff also, uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. He was the sh- right. he was the policeman there. That's like just looking at Nancy getting terrorized in her own house. And isn't Billy Loomis? Isn't Loomis a reference Halloween? No, no. Loomis, uh, Loomis was from The Craft. Um, Drew Barrymore. You have Drew Barrymore from. Um, no, no, I knew Skeet Ellers was in The Craft, but I meant his last name character, Billy Loomis. Oh, oh, Lo- Loomis. Yeah. Sam Loomis. Right. Psycho. Uh, okay. Uh, Anthony Perkins. Psycho. Yeah. Um, you also have the reporter. There's a reporter um, about 30 minutes into the film, and she just makes a comment. She's kind of in the background, looks like an extra. She says, the people have a right to know. That's actually the little girl from The Exorcist, the one who her hair, head spins around. She, oh. you know, pea soup everywhere. And then, of course, uh, Skeet Ulrich makes that reference. Yeah, I was watching The Exorcist, and, uh, oh, you know, I was thinking about you. I was thinking about us. And so that's why he comes over all Dawson Creek style through the window. Um, which is, is crazy. He's a big movie fan. He's a big horror movie fan, loves horror movies. Um, so is Jamie Kennedy. He, he references the howling references prom night. Um, and he's even watching the first horror movie in existence, maybe that, which is the 1930s Frankenstein, um, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, this, this movie is all about movie fans and movie buffs and, Sick fucks that have seen too many damn movies. You know, what I find kind of annoying in this movie is Courtney, Courtney Cox. She is kind of annoying. And she I, only did. Th- she only did this because she wanted to get out of her friends. Uh, oh, her her friends look. She felt everybody thought, oh, she's a nice girl from Friends, and she wanted to do something darker. Um, but like, I feel like she just kind of showed up to set and kind of mails it in a bit. She's okay, you know. Yeah, she's you know vanilla. She's vanilla. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the movie's highly entertaining, but like I, I watched it, you know, the other day and I, I just felt like, um, it, it's, it holds up fairly well, but also feel like, yeah, it's also feels very nineties ish at times. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and like I said, there's so much obviousness in it and, and I do get the jokes in like they have all these movie rules and a lot of the characters still make the same mistakes <laughs> that they're not supposed to do. Yes. Um, and then my other thing is, uh, does no one own a gun in this town? That was my first thought too. For real. Like they're all just running. No one owns any knives, guns, weapons. I'm like, come on. You know, it's like, <laughs> where, where's this shot in the Bible belt where no one owns a weapon? 
For real, Woodsboro, man. It's, this, uh, town, this fake, it's kind of a fake town in the movie. Yeah, Woodsboro, Mississippi, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Um, you know, I think we talked about that last week on these movies. Where do the police go in these movies? Like, does no one own any weapon in this town? They're just sitting around yeah. waiting for someone to get killed. You know? And the police response time is, like, so out there. It's like, you know, she calls the police the, the first time whenever she's – Neve Campbell's character, Sydney calls the police uh, whenever – uh, the killers in the, in her home for the first time. And they show up like 40 seconds later, Dewey's busting through the door <laughs> and, Dewey. you know, with the mask. And then like later on in the movie, she gets away from Stu and, and Billy and she calls uh, the police. At least she says she does. And they don't show up for like, like 10 minutes. <laughs> it's like, so where, where the hell are y'all there? Y'all are on the alert. Uh, but yeah, so it's uh, that that part's kind of funny. It's like, what yeah. what are these? Where are these cops? At least is it the uh, second one where they make it seem like Dewey's the killer, but he's not? Is that the second one? I've only seen mm-hmm. like the first two. I think I saw. Well, the third one, I've seen the first three because the third one has Jay and Silent Bob in it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so I've seen the first three, and they all all the killers in the first three have ties to uh, Sydney's, Sydney's mom. Mom, yeah, I remember the yeah. of that. And, just, and they mentioned the the loose uh, how how you know motives are incidental with Jamie Car- Kennedy's uh, character talking about what his killer motive would be if he was the killer, and he'd say it's the he said it's the millennium motives are incidental. Huh. So how many are there? There's six of them now. There's six. The, the second one, it's like uh, the uh, reporter. There was a uh, reporter, but she was like. Uh, I don't know, her her mom somehow screwed her over. The third one I remember the killer was uh, her half brother who never got attention from her mom. Never. Oh yeah, yeah. And the fourth one it's her sister or her cousin who wants to have all the attention, so <laughs> she tries to make like make it look like Sydney did it. They start making continuity up. <laughs> yeah, and then you know it just starts getting. I didn't realize that Craven actually directed the first three. I, I yeah. didn't realize he did three of them. I thought he'd only did the first one. Yeah, and then Kevin Williamson wrote uh, has has written the first four and co-wrote the last two of them, mm. um, which I, I like them so far. They've still found a way to be relevant and and still make money and turn profits and still be entertaining. Um, it's definitely a, a trope that's at least worked for the last three decades. But then they had the MTV series. So I heard was actually, I never watched it, but I heard it actually was pretty decent. Mm. Yeah. Williamson, uh, returned to, to write that one. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the voice, um, his, uh, his name is Roger Jackson. They actually didn't let the cast meet him so that they could, have that eerie feeling. And, and I think it works in the film. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, uh, that, that method style of acting, um, kind of like, uh, like Leatherface. Um, and we'll talk about it when we talk about that movie, but they didn't want them to know what he looked like. So whenever he busted out, you know, man, it's, you freaked him out for real. You're getting a real reaction. So, um, it, it's a movie that I find, you know, dear, uh, I, I watch it probably four or five times a year. I, I probably watch it once every other month. It's just somehow pops up or once every three months. I know you've been bugging me like three years to do this fucking movie on the podcast. Yes. And I, I am so glad that you decided to do it. I, I love talking about this movie could probably go on for longer. Well, you um, know, when I'm picking the movies, yeah. I'm eventually going to get around to the ones that you want to oh, do. Yeah. And, uh, and, and our boy long would sometimes get frustrated with me. Cause I would like, you know, me, it's all about timing and find the right time to do it. You know? And, uh, and I, I feel it in my soul when it's time to do the certain movies. <laughs> um, but it, it was cool. I didn't mind rewatching this one. And I know I gave you a hard time about it, but this one, I didn't mind rewatching. Now, sometimes like when you pick, you know, Last Action Hero. I'm like, oh, you know. Okay. But this, <laughs> yeah. This, the, 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 I actually watched this one, man. Uh, when did we record? We recorded last Friday. Yeah. I watched it like Saturday night. I, oh, wow. I, which is, I usually don't watch the movies we do for the podcast that early in the week. But there was nothing on TV Saturday night. Uh, yeah. The Astros had already won. The Longhorns already won that day. I was in a good mood. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and watch this. Tonight. Go ahead and watch it. Yeah. yeah. And so I watched it Saturday night. Um, but yeah, so um, Scream, man. Good kickoff to our Halloween Horrors Month. Uh, Definitely. 
And we we have a, a tradition that we started a couple of years ago where we usually have ghost stories or, or some sort of story for uh, the Halloween month. And and uh, I know you said you were going to bring a story this month. And uh, you do have that ready, right? I do. I do have it ready. And uh, and this is more instead of a ghost story, but kind of a tie-in news, like a real-world story. Yes. Right? That kind of uh, happens to tie in with Scream. Yes. Um, so uh, we usually go with the ghost story. Um, this is a serial murder. I would, I would call it a serial murder story, a kill, a, a murder story that happened in, in Idaho 10 years uh, from when this movie came out. Um, the victim's name was uh, Cassie Jo Stoddart. If you're into true crime, what, listen to Bailey Sarian on YouTube or a true crime podcast, you probably come across the story um, because uh, the two killers, uh, Tori and, and Brian, and I'll just go by their first names to, you know, not make them uh, too much more famous. Um, but uh, in Idaho, uh, Cassie was uh, known to, uh, she was a high school student um, or fresh out of high school. I think she was a freshman, um, but she used, used to watch her family's uh, farm, little farm property. It belonged to her aunt and uncle and, and cousin. And she decided that, you know, she was going to invite her boyfriend over um, to kind of go watch a movie. Well, he invited his two friends, Tori and Brian. They were both film fanatics. Um, they, you know, heralded themselves as film critics and they just knew everything about movies and especially loved horror movies. Um, well, they came over um, with, uh, with Cassie's boyfriend, whose name was actually Matt and they decide, hey, the movie uh-huh. they're watching is yeah, <laughs> the movie they're watching is boring. Um, so they say they're going to go catch a movie. They leave. Well, after they leave, the lights start going in and out, in and out. It's getting creepy. It's it's dark. It's raining. Um, her boyfriend asks his mom if he can stay over because her mom, his mom's going to pick him up. Uh, you know, because he's like, hey, she's scared. Um, some weird stuff's going on. You know, she wants me to stay. Mom doesn't allow him to stay um, and he leaves and the family comes back and they find Cassie on the floor murdered and a pool of her own blood. Um, police found 30 stab wounds. So it was, it was pretty brutal. Um, they immediately thought it was the boyfriend. So they, they questioned Matt um, and, you know, after kind of going too. yeah, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> this guy's weird. Uh, after, after, going back and forth between him and uh, Brian and, and Tori, they, you know, get Brian to break down. And he says, man, it was, it was all Tori's idea. Um, You know, they were inspired by the movie scream. Um, Tori was a big Columbine fan. Apparently he idolized the Columbine killers because Tori felt like he was an outcast and these guys were outcasts. And they even made a video about how they were so excited to kill their first person uh, and, and wanted to experience it. And they made like a vlog about it where, you know, they're like, Hey, uh, whoever finds this, uh, sorry to her family, but she has to die. And, you know, Brian led them to a stash that they use. They, they actually, whenever they were going to leave before they left, they unlocked the back door and they snuck in through the back door in masks, black boots, knives uh similar to what the killer used in scream but it was more of a a medieval dagger not a a hunting knife and uh they you know they killed her out of out of sport um so it's this happened in idaho in 2006 um you know they went to jail for a for a very long time actually didn't get to see their uh get to look at what their um sentencing was in jail i think they're, they're probably in jail for life um, but, uh, but yeah, apparently they claimed that they just wanted to scare her and they just started pointing the finger at each other. Like, Oh, it was his idea. It was that their idea. Um, you know, going back and forth, but this is a pretty famous, uh, uh, murder case and yeah, it's coming up on man, all, almost 20, you know, three years. It'll be, you know, two decades since the thing happened, but, uh, there's some, yeah, dude, there's some sick individuals in this, in this world. Um, and, uh, I'm getting the, uh, looking at the prison sentences, now 30 years brought, to life without possibility of parole. Now that Matt brought everybody down. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, at least they're put away. Um, be careful yeah. about where yeah. you go out in the middle of nowhere, and you know I if it's feel a farm. Like there and needs stuff. to be a penis joke in here somewhere. There, but, it probably does. <laughs> um. All right. Well, next week, um, it doesn't get any better, folks, as we continue on Halloween horrors and in uh, um, with a kind of a sci-fi horror pick next week. Um, a a classic starring Jeff Goldblum, yeah. and uh, directed by David Cronenberg. And um, if you know if anything about David Cronenberg films, you're always going to be in for something that's probably going to be a little gut wrenching, a little bit um, horrifying, um, but also going to make you think a little bit. I think it's fair to say when you watch a Cronenberg film, and um, that is his classic 1986, I believe, remake of The Fly. I think you're making a mistake. I think you really want to talk to me. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yeah, but they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. There is a limit, even to the imagination. Human teleportation, molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. You are about to go beyond that limit. Those weird hairs that were growing out of your back, I I had them analyzed. But they were definitely not human. If you saw how scared and angry and desperate he is... I'm sure Typhoid Mary was a very nice person, too, when you saw her socially. No! You're afraid to be destroyed and recreated, aren't you? You're changing, Seth. Everything about you is changing. Oh, no. What's happening to me? Am I dying? I want to know what's going on. What does the disease want? It wants to turn me into something else. Oh, no. A fly got into the transmitter pod with me that first time when I was alone. Don't go back to it. Could be contagious. Uh, I'm afraid! Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. And this is a um, this is a creepy fucking movie, but it it's is. a good movie. Um, it's been some years since I've seen it, so I'm looking forward to rewatching it. Um, and uh, so I don't recall a lot of it because it's one of these movies. This is definitely one of those movies. When I say it's been some years, it's probably been high school since I've watched this, maybe college. So it's been so it's been a while. That's just showing my age. Um, but I do remember seeing it and, and liking it when I saw it. And uh, I think it's also one of those movies that you don't need to really watch more than once or twice because it stays with you. And I think that's why I haven't rewatched it. Yeah. But, uh, we almost did this one last year and we ended up, uh, saving it. And so we're going to finally get around to it this year. Um, and, uh, you know, Jeff Goldblum gives a good performance in this, uh, really creepy as fuck practical effects done in this film. Cause Cronenberg to this day, Cronenberg still likes to use practical effects in his movies. Um, so, you know, uh, now he makes these really weird sexualized science fiction movies. You know, Cronenberg, he doesn't <laughs> quite. The Fly might be, in fact, The Fly might be his most uh, accessible horror movie or a movie that he's done, if we're being honest. Uh, you know, is um, he's an acquired taste director, but The Fly is definitely something that's a little more accessible for most people. Um, I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere to watch with us, but I know Matt's got on one of his uh, movie accounts. That's how I'm going to watch I do. It. And, uh, so next week, we will discuss The Fly for our second week of Halloween horrors. Um, but until then, go to the rebelradiopodcast.com for all your Rebel Radio needs. And um, follow us on our social media. I've actually been tweeting again, or Xing, as you call it, trying to get our Twitter account. <laughs> Xing. As I've been slacking on that. And uh, so that'll be next week on the show as we talk to The Fly. And until then... Um, continue to be safe as always we thank you for listening uh, this has been mark this has been matt and uh, until next time remember as always just go just there go and there and do it, do it.